all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here on another wild, whimsical Wednesday, friends, for Torch Report 465. How to engage the battle of minds. Right now, the enemy is advancing, and we need to engage. But first, we must step out of the bunker. <laughs> ah, uh, just a friendly note, friends. I'm going to get this out a little earlier uh, because of the FEMA alert today. It's coming out approximately 11.20 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'll address that here in a little bit. But first, you know, I want to point out that each and every day that we wake up, has the potential to go one of two ways, right? It's either going to go in a positive direction or it's going to go in a negative direction. And for that reason, I think it's helpful to remember that age-old admonition that life is about 10% what happens uh, to us and about 90% what we do about it, right? So this, what's this stuff with all the FEMA and what's going to happen? We don't really know, but life's about 10% what happens, about 90% what we do about it. Kind of a theme will carry through to the end there today. And I, I want to start out by saying I wish someone would tell those whiny rhinos in the House of Representatives who are hopping up and down like their hair is on fire, screeching about how Matt Gates has thrown the Republican Party into chaos because he had the gall to remove the globalist schmuck Kevin McCarthy from his position as Speaker of the House. Hey, life's 10% what happens and 90% what you do about it, right? So personally, friends, I'm very grateful that Matt Gates uh, did that. I, I'm that he called the vote. Uh, I think it was necessary. I think it was good. It was kind of like ripping off a festering band-aid. Uh, but I want to point out there are a lot of pundits, conservative quote-unquote pundits, who ha- are just up in arms about this. Oh my gosh, you know. And I think it's very telling that these pundits are really, you know, they're feeding off of the swamp creatures like some sort of parasitic lice feeding off the creatures who swim within the swamp. I I couldn't help it, friends. I put a picture of a a fish with lice on it. So if you're listening on a podcast platform, please know you just have to go to The Torch Report, thetorchreport.com to check out the fish with the lice. Now, there's these articles out there, right? Republicans cannot govern or win like this. They need to stop fetishizing losing and grievance. You know, Newt Gingrich doesn't hold back against the eight Republicans who voted to oust McCarthy. You know, the House is in chaos with Jurassic Park-like mayhem erupting on the hill. (laughs) Senate Republicans watch McCarthy's ouster with alarm and disbelief. I can't believe it. You know, the House is adrift as Republicans fight over their next leader. I'm sure you get the drift here. Republican leadership The party bosses, they are absolutely appalled that a duly elected peasant would have the nerve to to upend the apple cart, right? Shriek! Oh, the horror! Oh my gosh, I can't believe it! Yeah, yeah, yeah! You know? (laughs) Oh, that means all their war profiteering in Ukraine might come to a screeching halt! Oh no! That might mean that Donald Trump gets to be the next speaker! Oh no! You know, hint, that's not likely to happen. But that means the party bosses may be losing control 
of their lockstep minions, and all of a sudden, some of the Republican rank and file just might be thinking for themselves. They might just start representing their constituents and doing what they were elected to do, which is uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. Friends, they're certainly not doing that job right now. But let me ask you, how many people do you think have stopped to ask why? Why did Kevin McCarthy get ousted? Is it because these radical extremist MAGA Republicans, these eight, you know, these eight nutcases who are trying to throw the Republican Party into chaos, is that why? No, that is not why. I'll tell you why Kevin the Schmuck McCarthy got ousted. It's because he's a lying, backstabbing shyster, a shameless globalist hack who puts party before country and serves no one but himself. That's why in a nutshell. He has lied directly to the face of those who oppose him, uh, to, to those who stand with him. He lies every time he opens his damn mouth. He's cut secret backdoor deals with the Democrats to keep funding the meat grinder over in Ukraine. He's done nothing to stop the invasion at the southern border, despite saying otherwise. He's done nothing to stop the bleeding of the national debt, despite saying otherwise. And in short, he's done nothing that he promised to do. And instead, he has proven himself time and again to be a party player. He really doesn't give a damn about what the peasants think. We the people, ha ha, you know, he laughs in our face because the party bosses and their deep state handlers know what's best. That's it, peasant, sit down, shut up, you know. But friends, I don't want to get lost in the political circus here. I just had to, uh, <laughs> I had to get that off my chest a little bit. I had to let that out. <sighs> you know, so shall we zoom out a little bit? Let's zoom out. Zoop! Let's go way out for a moment. Because I've heard a lot of murmurs about the upcoming FEMA nationwide emergency broadcast, right? That test is scheduled for today, Wednesday, October 4th at 2.20 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 11.20 Pacific Standard. So according to the FEMA website, this test is going to be sent out to all the TVs and radios and cell phones. And this is going to be the third time they've used this new wireless emergency alert system to send messages to every cell phone in the country. And it will be the seventh time that they've used their new emergency alert system to hijack everyone's TV. I mean, can you imagine, you know, the interruption of your daytime soap opera for this is an emergency broadcast. This is a test. Friends, just remember, this is only a test. Now, some people are pointing fingers at this movie. Uh, 2016, a movie came out. It was called Cell. It had uh, Samuel L. Jackson, John Cusack in the movie. And the movie Cell, it depicts the cell tower sending out a message, actually a specific frequency that then turned people into bloodthirsty, violent zombies. And some people rightly speculate that this could be a foreshadowing of actual events. But, and I put the, I put the trailer in there. It's actually kind of creepy. Not really my genre of choice, but uh, it's worth taking a look at. It's pretty entertaining. But personally, friends, I don't think that's what's going to happen. You know, is it possible? Sure. Yeah, it's possible. Is it likely? No. I mean, absolutely not. But either way, we're going to know soon enough. So, you know, life's 10% what happens and 90% what you do about it, you know. Other people are thinking that this whole thing, uh, this, this nationwide alert test could be some sort of 5G activation or a kill switch 
for those who have received one or more of those mysterious experimental injections we've been talking about. You know, the ones that are said to contain self-assembling nanoparticles that can be triggered by 5G cell towers. Have you heard about that? Friends, I've, uh, I've actually done an in-depth study on this self-assembling nanobots and being triggered by 5G and all that. <laughs> I had to dig in because I needed to get, you know, my mind wrapped around it and thereby form my own informed conclusions. But uh, I have to say my conclusion on that aligns with my attitude about the zombie scenario. Is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? No. But I did put the link in there uh, so you can dig into the juicy details on the underlying science of it. You know, some people think that the 5G is actually being used to stimulate the virus or to create a virus. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff out there, and I've dug into it. I did the research so you don't have to. I put it into a nice and succinct and well-written report. Highly entertaining and informative, I assure you. And another uh, report I want to point out is the, uh, the not just the special linking 5G to COVID-19, but the Torch Report 357 on the Woke Mind Virus you know, beware of the Borg, uh, talking about the nanoprobes. And, I, you know, it's absolutely fascinating to me. I like to learn about weird stuff like self-assembling nanobots and molecular tweezers. But I still don't think this is the direction that the globalists are heading, at least not right now, not yet, you know. They have been developing these technologies since the 90s. So the technologies are out there, and they definitely can build these nanobots. They can definitely deploy these sci-fi-like nanobots into the human bloodstream. But something tells me, you know, I just don't think they're going to use it in such an obviously evil fashion, right? Can you imagine if that actually happened? I mean, that would be the end of the world. Truly the zombie apocalypse. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't I just don't think that they want that kind of pushback right now. So uh, just so you can see for yourself that nanobots do exist and can be inserted into the blood, I did put a screenshot from Science Direct. Uh, has some, you know, this is from a nanotechnologies back in the 2012, circa 2012, where they can use nanobots uh, that can be inserted into the blood under the skin. Um, they're microchips coated with human molecules and all this. <laughs> it's all there, friends. It's all there. It's all there. You can take a look at it. It's crazy that it's out there. Um, but what I want to point out is that the self-assembly nanobots, the threat of 5G and all that, it is just another invisible enemy. And it doesn't mean an invisible enemy can't kill you. It's just this is another invisible enemy. It's a threat that puts us on edge. It makes us wary. Weary. Uh, you know, wary? Yeah, wary. Uh, it, it makes us you know, kind of heightens and primes our primal instinct for self-preservation, right? And in doing so, this systematically shuts down our critical thinking. It destabilizes our emotional well-being. In physiological terms, we're in the uh, parasympathetic, you know, sympathetic nervous system. Oh my gosh, you know, fight or flight. And we need to shift into the parasympathetic in order to have a clear uh, mind for finding tactical solutions. So through the lens of psychological warfare... Specifically, the fifth and sixth generation warfare, the concerns over these negative potentialities, they are real, it could happen, negative potentialities, a potential threat like the cell tower triggers or the nanobots and the vaccines and all of that, this is a textbook tactic 
to keep people distracted, to keep people disorganized, and thus to keep us ineffective as opposition against the globalist takeover. I hope that makes sense, friends. If you think about it, there's really no way for us to fight against virally vectored nanobots, right? I mean, there's, how do you do that, you know? Uh, we can't really fight against the activation of, of the emergency national uh, alert system and all that. So, and the same thing goes for, you know, virally vectored self-disseminating vaccines. We've discussed these, you know, uh, they're capable of spreading genetic mutations or sterilization throughout a herd. We can't really fight against that. Uh, similarly, you know, friends, both of these technologies exist. They very well could be used. But the point is, they need not actually be used in order to be effective tools of psychological warfare. Again, I hope that makes sense, you know. So I put a link in here uh, to Torch Report 137, Viewing Chaos Through the Lens of PsyOps. If you're unfamiliar, you want to refresh, I'd say go back and take a look at that. This is how they hack our minds, essentially. But here's what I think. The, you know, the globalists... They just recently adopted the resolutions to accelerate their depopulation agenda 2030 and all that. Uh, even though that's happened, the, they are accelerating their agenda. I think that at the local level, we are still going to continue experiencing the slow roll of insanity. You know, in, in other words, it's going to continue to happen slowly and then all of a sudden it's going to happen all at once but it's like you know they're turning up the heat they're turning up the heat but if they turn it up too fast the frog's going to jump out of the pot so i don't think they're going to zap everybody with the cell phone towers okay i don't think that's how it's going to happen that's just my opinion as a mere ignorant peasant you know in my opinion nobody knows the hour or the day right so the best that we can do as we're waiting for all hell to break loose is to be properly prepared for whatever sort of apocalyptic scenario might unfold. The zombie apocalypse, nuclear war, you know, and another, you know, deadly virus, uh, variant, you know, biological weapon or something like that. So once we are properly prepared for whatever apocalyptic scenario might unfold, then we must continue living our lives as if such a catastrophic event may never actually happen. Okay, prepare for the worst, but plan for the best. Okay, we've been through this because if, if we inadvertently find ourselves living as if the end of the world is imminent, then we are planning for the worst thing to happen. Oh my gosh, I better, you know, I don't know what we're going to do because the end of the world is imminent. Okay, and this, this, this utterly ravages your quality of life, your mental health, your inner sense of peace and stability. It will destroy your ability to be successful in every area of life because long-term planning seems pretty pointless in the face of an imminent collapse or imminent, uh, you know, imminent, uh, <laughs> imminent, imminent, uh, Attack, right? I was, I'm reminded of the uh, the old movie where the guy's down in the bunker and they're singing about the end of the world, you know, and he's trying to get that girl to, you know, get frisky in the bunker and, you know, ah, anyway, friends, the point is this, and the most important point of all, is that if we're caught up in that mentality, waiting for the next shoe to drop, it takes you off the playing field, right? It, it, it takes you off the battlefield, if you will. So being hunkered down and bunkered down is not a bad place to be 
during the zombie apocalypse or during an air raid or during civil unrest or when you're under the weather or whatever. There's a time and a place to be hunkered down, bunkered down. But, 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 if, however, every time the enemy takes a shot in your direction or blasts you with some sort of sophisticated psyops, then you hunker down like it's the end of the world, like, oh, oh, you know, then you're only encouraging the enemy to advance and encircle you. I think that probably makes sense, right? In a in a wartime military mindset, that makes perfect sense. If, if the enemy takes a shot and you just like crouch down, oh, no, don't get me, don't get me, then they're going to keep running up. They're like ragging their buddy. <laughs> this is going to be an easy one, right? And then we're sitting ducks. So the point is, We are at war, and for all intents and purposes, you can think of this as a political war, and the shots being fired are the psyops, and when we hunker down, bunker down because of the psyops, the enemy continues to advance. So think about what just happened with Matt Gates. right? He just stood up in the face of enemy fire and shot back at the corrupt political establishment. The corrupt political establishment is the enemy of we, the people. And keep in mind, there were only eight Republicans who were brave enough to stand with him. Only eight. We cannot win a war if we only have eight or nine Republicans brave enough to stand up against the party establishment. We cannot win a war being hunkered down, bunkered down every time we think something bad's going to happen. We cannot win a war with spineless leadership who abdicates themselves to the system. It's the system that's causing all the chaos, not those who are standing against it. You know, if you think about it, Friends, you know, Kevin McCarthy and the vast majority of the rhino Republicans, they just voted for the status quo. They just kicked the can with another continuing resolution that is no sort of solution at all. They just voted for business as usual. They just voted to keep feeding the swamp creatures that are literally feasting. They are gorging themselves on the ignorance of the average American taxpayer. And you know what? The average American taxpayer is not going to wake up, friends. That's just the way it is. That's the bell curve, okay? So then the question becomes, who among us, who will defend those who are too blind to realize that they are being abused by their very own government? Who among us, friends? I know that it will only be a few, and I know that you know that it will only be a few, because it's always only been a few. The question I want to ask you is, are you one of the few? And if you are, we've got work to do. We've got lots of work to do. Hard damn work to do. We've got political work to do. Reclaiming local control, for example, is an inherently political process, is it not? And the same goes for taking control at the state level. Same goes for taking back our nation. It's all an inherently political process, and it can be and never will be any other way. It is a political process. We have political work to do. Hung election in a civil war? Blood in the streets? Patriot militias against a militarized police state or international peacekeepers? It's possible, friends. It's possible. And it's impossibly ugly. But once the dust settles, then what? Reconstructing the country will be an inherently political process. You want your state to secede from the federal government? 
You want your county to secede from the state? You want to form your own locally controlled representative government? Guess what? That's going to be an inherently political process. And thus, no matter what angle we look at it from, the most tactical maneuver we can do is to get involved in the political process. It's also the most practical. It's a hell of a lot easier than taking up arms against our enemies. If you think you are ready and willing to do that, then the wisest thing you can do is engage in local politics. Friends, engage in the battle of the mind. This is where the war is won, whether shots are fired or not. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to thetorchreport.com. Find the heart, click the heart, and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this wild, whimsical Wednesday. Stay wise, friends. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.